just so thankful this morning for what God can do, right? And uh, Tyler would say the same thing, that this is nothing of him, but it's all of God. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we got to see that through baptisms, and he was one, and, and the Lord works in his people, uh, and that's a beautiful thing to see. Um, this morning, we're just going to, we're going to go right into it. Uh, as we, as Steve closed our prayer, as we continue our worship time together, uh, we're going to get back into God's word, and we're going to look at some things. We're going to continue from last week. Uh, I know we're a little sparse this morning. Um, you know, it is cold, and the snow I'm sure many vehicles had a hard time getting going this morning. So um, we're going to go back and we're going to talk about, again, leadership in the church. And um, as we talk about leadership, I don't, want to, I don't want us to forget that everything in Scripture we talk about, everything from God's Word, applies to us in some way. That this is not just a general, hey, we're just going to learn something for the sake of knowledge. Um, God doesn't necessarily want smart people. He wants wise people that follow his word. And so as we go to his word today, we're going to continue to talk about leadership. But I really want you to think throughout this whole time, as I have, as I prepared, and as all of us can really think about, as we go through this process of looking at leadership in the local church, to really consider what it is that uh, we are learning and how that can apply to your life, to my life, and going forward, how it can apply to our church. And so that's where we're going to be again, a review of last week, real simple, um, and I want to go to the book of Acts, and this is where we're going to start, this won't be where we end, we're going to be kind of taking a journey as always uh, this morning when we uh, go through scripture. There's so much that scripture has to say about leadership uh, that uh, we're going to bounce around a little bit. We're going to start in Acts chapter 20, we looked at this last week, and so I want to kind of give this as the theme verse for what we talked about last week, in Acts chapter 20. I'm going to read verses 17, uh, and then I'm going to read uh, verse 28 as well. And you'll see why I'm, I'm splitting it up. There's a lot of things that Paul says here, and we'll look at them later. But as a general rule, in verse 17, this is what we read. It says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, this is Paul, and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when, he, when they came to him, he said to them, and then we have this whole paragraph of things that Paul is saying to the Ephesian elders before he leaves them. And in the, in the context of that, as he tells them all these things he wants them to know, in verse 28 he says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which, the Holy Spirit, or which he obtained with his own blood. All right, so verse 17, verse 28, there's a couple things that we see here. First of all, we see that Paul calls the elders with an S, plural, that church leadership is to be plural. It's to be many people coming together as a group and that there would be a real uh, way of team leadership, not a one person uh, not a one-man band, if you will. I heard it said this week as I studied this out. But a team that leads the church together. We looked at several reasons why plurality is so important. From accountability to a mix of gifting. And so we see that those are important things. Uh, also in here it says um, that in verse 20, uh, as we go on in verse 28, uh, where it said that you would be overseers. Again, a plural term. 
It says the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So the elders and the overseers are one group, right? So we see, first of all, plurality. Then we also see equality. That there are not overseers and elders, but there are elders who are overseers, right? So it's all one. And then we see this last office that we know of, and many of you are very familiar with the office, if you will, if you want to call that, or the leadership position of pastor. Now the interesting thing Here in verse 28, Paul tells the elders slash overseers to care for, or literally this word is to shepherd the church of God. And he goes back and talks about a flock. Uh, Shepherd, the word for shepherd in the Greek in the New Testament is pastor. Pastor and shepherd, they're used interchangeably. Here it's the verb of pastoring. And so it says that an elder and an overseer who are one are also pastors. So we see really, in essence, elders are overseers, are uh, pastors. Pastors are overseers, are elders. They're all one office that has different areas of how it works out. There is shepherding, there is overseeing, and there is maturity found within an elder, within the elders, within this plural body. So we see plurality and we see equality. And we'll see that that is biblical leadership, that you have many who are equal, Many who are serving together to oversee, many who are serving together to shepherd. There's not a difference in who the leadership is. There's not overseers, elders, and pastors. It's all one. Every leader is all of those things. And so that's, in a nutshell, what we looked at last week. We looked at the fact that elders are pastors, are overseers, that plurality and equality is what biblical leadership is all about. So this morning, we're going to move on from who are leaders, who are church leaders, what is church leadership, and we're going to move on to what do elders do. So if we get down to the basic of, okay, so elders, pastors, overseers, they're all one, and as they work, uh, they are uh, doing it in equality. We get that point, we understand that to be scriptural, but then what does an elder do? This specifically talks about when we do call someone from either amongst us or if we're calling somebody that is coming from without to join in the eldership, who and what do we, what do we expect of them? And this is where we'll go in Scripture. And here's the interesting thing. We've already seen it in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, but here's what I want to propose to you as we look at Scripture this morning, that the job description of an elder boils down to one thing. The job description of an elder, when, you, when all gets boiled down, when it all comes down to one common denominator, that it's one thing that the elder is expected to do, and that is to shepherd. Now, I went back and forth on whether I should use the word shepherd or pastor here, but keep in mind they're the same. So really, you could say it either way, that the job description of an elder boils down to one thing, to shepherd or to pastor. That is the job description of every church leader, of an elder. Uh, Each one of the elders, as they function together, are to be pastors. They're to be shepherds. That is the job description of an elder. Well, we already saw it in Acts 20, verse 28. The role of the elders slash overseers is to care for the flock or the church of God. To care for. That word there means to shepherd. It means to pastor, to care for, to lovingly guide. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at what shepherding is all about. We also see, uh, if you want to move over with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll be here several times this morning. In 1 Peter 5 verses 1 
through 4. And we read this again last week, but let's remind ourselves. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. All right, so verses 1 through 4, we'll look at 5 a little bit later on. But what we see here is a very simple point. That as Peter talks to the elders of the church, as he talks to these elders of each church, he says that what you need to do is to, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So shepherding. Shepherding is, that is the job description. Pastoring or shepherding is an action, not a position. And this is important. As we look at Scripture, being a pastor or being a shepherd is not necessarily a position, but it is an action. It's what a leader does. And so we do see in Ephesians 4.11, by the way, in Ephesians 4.11, there is a mention of the fact that God has given the church many different people, and some of them are pastor-teachers or shepherd-teachers, however your translation might say it. That is a noun there, and it's calling somebody a pastor or a shepherd. But keep in mind that it's describing the action just like it says pastor-teacher. It's someone who pastors and it's someone who teaches. And that is what a leader does. And so we see ultimately that pastoring or shepherding is an action that every elder should do. It's not a position that they should aspire to. And that's going to be key as we move on today as we continue to look at this idea. But let's take a minute to think about a shepherd. Now, how many of you have sheep at home? I, I was thinking maybe one would raise their hand. So nobody has sheep. All right, that's, that's good. I know we have some farmers. I know we, you got, we understand animals. I'm not so sure we always understand sheep. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick explanation of what a shepherd does. Um, a shepherd is very simply one who leads a flock of sheep. Uh, they... But, the shepherd, as we look at scripture, as we look at history, even when we look at what shepherds do now, they are there to tend a flock of sheep. As they tend the flock, they do several things. First of all, sheep, if left to themselves, will just kind of wander. And, and they might end up who knows where. And so a shepherd needs to lead the sheep where they need to go. If they need to go into the sheep pen, he'll lead them to the pen. If they need to go get water, they'll lead them to the water or to the food. And he'll lead the sheep to where they need to go. And they will follow the shepherd and the shepherd will make sure they go where they need to. And that is an important aspect of what a shepherd would do for sheep. Because if not, they would just wander away and end up falling off cliffs, walking into water, into, into ponds and drowning themselves. And who knows what else sheep might do. And so the shepherd needs to watch over them and make sure they're going in the right direction, that they're going to the right place, that they're not scattering. Another thing a shepherd needs to do is to feed the sheep. Uh, he needs to lead them to a place in which they can eat, right? So it's, it's not like he has to force feed the sheep, but what he does do is leads them to pastures where there's good food, where they can eat and eat well and understand and, and be able to grow through that eating, through that feeding. And so the shepherd will lead them where they need to feed. 
But finally, one of the most important things a shepherd does is to protect the sheep. If you look at sheep, they really have no way of protecting themselves. They're like these little squishy little clouds that have legs, right? And, and so they, they make a lot of annoying noises and they can run, but not very fast. And, and so they need protecting. So the shepherd will actually be a protector of the sheep. When wolves or other animals and predators would come to take the sheep, it's the shepherd that needs to protect the sheep, that needs to keep those wolves away. And sometimes the shepherd that even will need to, to get in between sheep that might even be trying to hurt the flock. And so he will protect the flock. The flock will be his to protect, his to guide, his to feed. And a shepherd that doesn't do these things is not a good shepherd. A shepherd who is doing these things is going to, does not do these things, they're going to end up with sheep that wander, sheep that are starving, and sheep that are taken away. And, and so it's important for the shepherd. And in, in New Testament times, Old Testament times, uh, even now, if someone's livelihood is to be a shepherd, if they lose those sheep, if those sheep are taken, it, that is their livelihood. It's everything to them. That flock is their flock. It's not just, oh, it's just another job and who cares, whatever. I'll get paid either way if I lose 10 sheep or if I lose two. I don't care, whatever. No, that's not how a shepherd sees it. A shepherd looks at their flock and says, this is my flock. This is the flock that I'm going to lead, I'm going to feed, and I'm going to protect. And a shepherd does that for the sheep. Uh, and so that's kind of, in, in essence, what a church leader is also called to do. One of the elders who is in charge of pastoring or shepherding there are things that they will do that revolve around these three things, leading, feeding, and protecting. And so let's take some time to look at that in the church and how this might look. So how do elders shepherd the church? If elders are shepherds, then how do they do it? What is that elder expected to do? Uh, how do they shepherd this church? Well, first of all, they, elders lead the church. As I said, a, a good shepherd will lead the sheep to where they need to go. Make sure they're going in the right direction. And we see this also in Scripture. You think about it. So elders and pastors, we're talking in 1 Peter 5, but what does it say? It says, shepherd the flock of God who is among you. And then this is kind of this little extra added thing in here that's kind of like helping to define shepherding. And it says, exercising oversight, being an overseer, exercising oversight or exercising leadership. What is to give oversight, though? So if you're leading, uh, you're leading people, you're leading the church as a shepherd would lead sheep, what is giving oversight? What does that really look like? Well, in 1 Timothy 3, 4, I think we get an idea. In 1 Timothy 3, this is where Paul is giving many descriptions of what an elder should be, what an overseer should be. And in this text, in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, we're going to specifically look at verse 4. And this is what he says about someone who is to be an overseer. He says he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? The word here, manage, also could be guide. But the idea here is that we manage or guide as in a household. That an elder gives oversight in the sense that they manage or guide the household. Guide them to where they should go and what they should do. Not domineer and say, this is what you have to do, but instead lead them towards what they should do. If you remember back when we were in the book of Colossians, we looked at Colossians 1.28 
if you remember that verse, Paul basically says this. He says, for this I toil, for this I struggle, that all men will come to maturity. What Paul says is his ministry, his goal is that people will become mature Christians. That is not all that different from what we do as fathers and, and parents. As parents, what do we do? We want our kids to grow into maturity, to grow into maturity, not to stagnate and stay childish all their life, but to learn what it means to live an adult life, what it means to be mature, what it means to handle yourself in a mature way. And so in the same way as I think it's so interesting here in First Timothy and Titus will also talk about that his children need to be... Uh, believers and not not open to debauchery or insubordination and so in Titus and first Timothy both Paul tells us look you got to look at how the person leads their family because it's true if they're going to lead their family towards maturity if that's not happening how are they going to lead God's church to maturity and so oversight is simply leading by watching over and pushing people in a direction that will guide them towards maturity that he would manage, and that's a weird word, right? Because that sounds like very top-down, manage. But it's really to guide. It's to take hold and say, look, this is the way you need to go to become mature. Listen to us. Listen to me. And that's the idea of guiding or overseeing. But there's another way that we give oversight and another way we lead. So we give oversight through guiding people towards the right direction. But we also lead... Uh, elders are called to lead through their example. We're called to lead through our example. 1 Peter 5, 3. We just read this, but let's look at it again. It says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. What is an elder's leadership? What does a shepherd's leadership look like? A shepherd's leadership looks like not being a lord and domineering and demanding and having a, a, a iron fist. No, that is not... How you lead, how we lead as shepherds is to set the example, to set an example, to live lives that are mature, to live lives that are Christ-like. So as others watch us, as others watch leaders, they will know the direction that they should go. You see, this is where leading as a shepherd is so important. I've heard it once said, I'm trying to remember who, Nelson Mandela, I guess, said this. I know what he was trying to say, but he basically said that good leaders lead from behind and not from the front. And his point was that it's not about the leader, it's about the people. And I get that, but I actually think that it should kind of go around, biblically we go the other way, and this is what I mean. A leader leads from the front in the sense that the leader will lead and the others will follow through their example. As opposed to leading from behind and driving, right? So there's a difference between driving somebody from behind and leading them from the front. Does that make sense? I think about the, the movie Babe. How many of you have seen the movie Babe? A couple of you. All right. It's about a pig who talks to sheep. Kind of crazy, right? So this pig who wants to be a sheepdog, uh, and he learns how to lead sheep. And it's interesting, there's this scene and he learns a password that he can tell the sheep so that they know that he, they can trust him. And then he leads them into the pen in this uh, miraculous scene in which he wins this sheep herding competition. And, but what Babe did that was different than the dogs, the dogs would bite at their legs and the, the dogs would stay behind them and bark at them and scare them to get them to go the direction they want. But Babe gently talked to them and then <clears throat> walked beside them. 
as they went into the sheep pen, as they went into the pen. Now, I kind of get this picture in a sense. Church leaders are pigs, all right? Now, <laughs> sorry, elders, I couldn't get it. I couldn't get I had to say that. I'm including myself. <clears throat> Not in the bad sense. We're all babes, right? Oh, that's even worse. That one was not planned. <clears throat> Man. All right. Anyway, it's one of those days for me. Um, but we are to be leading from beside or in front and not by biting legs and barking and driving people towards something. That is not biblical leadership. Biblical leadership says, I'm going to go first and you follow. And I'm going to be the mature one so that you can learn maturity. That is the leading by example. And so that's what I see is I, I just, for some reason, my mind went there. I remembered that movie and how, um, it, but then I watched the, the scene and I was like, this works. I mean, it really does because the dogs, they didn't care about their sheep. They just wanted to get it done. Babe cared about the sheep and that's what a shepherd should do. Care about the sheep, lead from beside or lead from front, not lead from behind by driving. All right. Uh, so we see that they lead the church. That's the first aspect of shepherding. By exercising oversight and also by leading by example. But now we also see that elders feed the church. And of course, when we're talking about elders feeding the church, we're talking about spiritually feeding the church. Now some of the elders have wives that can really cook very well and they feed physically as well. But more than that, what we're really talking about is feeding spiritually. Elders spiritually feed the church. We know that uh, even Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, if you remember, he quoted scripture and he said, man cannot live on bread alone, but on the word of God. And so there's this idea of that there's a physical hunger that needs to be satisfied, sure, but there's also a spiritual hunger that needs to be satisfied. And so elders need to feed the church as a shepherd would feed his flock. So how do we see that happen? Well, elders are called to teach God's word. In 1 Timothy 3, 2, where we already were back in 1 Timothy, in those descriptions of what an overseer is to be, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, what it says is, Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. So it's interesting here that obviously an elder or a leader, an overseer, will have to at some point teach. Teach people. Uh, And so... Elders are called to teach God's word. That's one way we can feed people spiritually, by going to God's word and saying, this is what you need for your life. So it's preached, it's taught in Sunday school, but it's not just about even upfront teaching. It's about the daily one-on-one. It's the phone call. It's the time you sit down over coffee with somebody or over a meal and you're able to teach God's word to them. So maybe it's one-on-one. Maybe it's in a bigger setting. Maybe it's in a Sunday school setting. Maybe it's in a small group. Or maybe it's one-on-one. And any of those ways are teaching. Teaching is all about the ability to lead others to know Jesus better. To know God's word enough to lead them towards Christ. That is what teaching is. And so an elder, a pastor, an overseer, a shepherd will be able to teach. But also, uh, so we see able to teach. So what is it that the elders should teach? Well, there's a couple things. First of all, I believe elders should teach the gospel. Should teach the gospel. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. Says this. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, there's that again, 
patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. In 2 Timothy 2, 24-26, Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, look, if you're going to be a servant of the Lord and you're going to be, and Timothy was a leader in the churches, he was a leader, and, and what Paul says is very pointed. He says, be able to teach, but why? <clears throat> it's so that people will be, come to repentance. So this is about the gospel. The elders will constantly, that shepherds will constantly be pointing people to the gospel. Not that every time they teach, all it's going to be is a gospel presentation, but that in every time we share God's word, we drive it back to Jesus Christ. We drive it back to his word. We drive it back to his work, what he has done, who he is, what he offers in salvation. Because that is what will lead people to repentance. And so elders need to teach the gospel but also elders need to teach doctrine. Titus 1, <clears throat> Titus 1, verse 9. <clears throat> we were there last week. But in Titus 1, verse 9, after Paul gives a bunch of uh, qualifications for a, an elder, this is what he says. He says, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. So it's the gospel that we teach, but it's also doctrine we teach. Doctrine is to know about God, to understand God, the teachings that Jesus taught us, the teachings that are found in God's word that will all be in the foundation of the gospel, but we'll go forward from that. It won't just be stop there, but it will continue on with teaching and doctrine that will allow people to know God more and more and more even in their salvation. And so that's why we have preaching. That's why we have ABF. That's why we have opportunities like small groups, home groups, to be able to teach people not only the gospel but also good sound doctrine so that they won't be drawn away by those who preach wrong doctrine, which we'll talk about later. And so the first way we just looked at that elders feed the church is that they teach God's word. But the second way is that elders are called to train God's people. To train or equip. To train God's people. Leaders of the church are not just to teach uh, the gospel and not just to teach doctrine. Those are vitally important. But we also need to train. And here's what I want to say. You guys all know this phrase. You know, you could take somebody fishing and feed them for a day. Or you can teach somebody to fish and feed them for a lifetime or however it goes. So I know that's not perfect, but that's the idea. The idea is this. Yes, we teach and we feed somebody, right? We feed through teaching God's word, but we also want to train people so that they can feed themselves with God's word as well. See, we're not like the Catholic Church who would say that the priest has to be the one to read the Bible and explain it to you. No, we want everybody to take this that God has given them, God's word, Take it in their own and know how to study it, know how to understand it, and know then how to apply it through ministering to others. That is the goal of a leader. It's not just to feed, but it's also to teach them how to eat or what, how to find food. And so pastor teachers are given to equip the church to do ministry. We see that in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. I mentioned this earlier, but here's what the verse says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, or some translations say the pastors and teachers, 
to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And this is important that we understand that our leadership, our elders are not called to do all of the ministry, to be doers of all the ministry, but someone who not only does ministry, but also trains others to do ministry. That we will equip the church to do ministry. And in 2 Timothy 2.2, what does this ministry look like? Well, part of it is this in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, uh, as Paul is talking to Timothy, he says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. That leaders should teach others who will teach others. And so this is part of equipping. This is part of training. It's not just to say, okay, you need the elders for everything and we can, we can be the only ones to feed you. No, we want you to be fed by your, you know, as you dive into God's word, as you understand his word, as you study that, but also as you then teach others what you're learning. It's really discipleship is really what we're talking about. And, and that is something that as our elders at this church are really finding very important, that we need to foster an attitude and a mindset of discipleship. That as we teach, we will also be training others to teach others. And there will be this discipleship process in which everybody is, is impacting one another life on life. It's not just the pulpit to the people, but it's the people to the people. And so this is what biblically an elder or a, sh- a shepherd should do. Should teach others to teach others. Should equip others to do ministry. And so that's how they feed the church. Now the third thing, elders protect the church. Elders protect the church. Back to the book of Acts where we started. Uh, in the book of Acts chapter 20. As Paul goes on, he's continuing to talk to the Ephesian elders. We will see this idea of protection become very clear. Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 31. So as we look at this, remember, he's talking to the elders. He says, look, you need to be shepherds, you need to be overseers. And then in 29, after he says this, he says this. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw you away, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night and day to admonish everyone with tears. And so what is Paul saying to the elders of the Ephesian church, to the pastors of the Ephesian church? What he is saying is very simple. He's saying, keep alert. Stay watching for wolves. They will come. And he says these are not only wolves from without, but also wolves from within. That we need to make sure that leaders, shepherds of the church, are making sure that wolves are not coming in or they're not rising up from within. And that is an important job of a shepherd. Just as the real shepherd needs to protect the sheep from the predators, so does the spiritual shepherd of the church. Elders protect the people from false teachers. That's the first protection we see. False teachers. Titus 1.9, we already read that once this morning. But again, in, in Titus 1.9, and you've got to understand the context of Titus and even Timothy as well, that when Paul writes for the, the qualifications of an elder, he's, he's also making sure that people understand that there are false teachers that are coming and there needs to be leadership that can guard against the false teachers. And what he says in Titus chapter 1, verse 9, again, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, 
But here's the end of this verse. And also to rebuke those who contradict it. That an elder, a shepherd, someone who is a teacher of the church and a leader of the church will be able to see the wolves that are coming in by their false teaching. And in order to know what's false, you need to know what is true. Right? Like, just like a counterfeit bill. You really can't know it's a fake unless you know what the real thing's supposed to look like. And the same thing is true. So leaders need to know God's word deeply. Not perfectly, but continuing to study it and continuing to know God's word so that when teaching arises from within or without that is not biblical, that they can rebuke it. They can know what God's word really says and not go to the false teachings. So that's one way to protect people from the wolves of false teachers. But also the elders and teachers, the leaders, the pastors of the church, really along with all believers, but with leadership for sure, to, we need to protect others from sin. Protect others from sin. And I mentioned this one last week when I talked about accountability within plurality. But in Hebrews three twelve through 13, it says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Part of the protection is not just from the false teachers that will come in and try to, to teach something that is not true, but part of what the protection is, is to protect sin from welling up from within. And that's why we practice church discipline. We just had a class on that in our membership class this morning. And church discipline is nothing more than restoration of someone who is walking away from God and walking away from the church. We want to restore them back to the right relationship with God and into the church. And that's a loving thing to do, but we do that to protect so that sin will not rise up amongst us and destroy us from within. And so a good leader, good elders, good pastors will make sure that sin is not becoming an issue in the church. All right, so those are our three things. What do elders do? How do they shepherd? Uh, Their job description is to shepherd. Shepherding looks like leading, feeding, and protecting. But now, back to 1 Peter, which I said we'd come back to, and this is kind of our central text, if you will. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we see this. Why do elders shepherd the church? Why do elders shepherd the church? Well, we see this in 1 Peter 5. Again, so I exhort the elders among you in verse 1 as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain but, e- gain but eagerly, not for domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Why do elders shepherd the church? To be a reflection of Jesus, who is the chief shepherd. We cannot devoid this whole process of talking about leadership without driving it back to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. Now here's the thing, there are many that say that a church does not need to be led by plurality, but to be led by one central leader. And I would agree, absolutely, the church should be led by one central leader. You can quote me on this. But that central leader is none other than Jesus Christ himself. He is the one who leads the church. 
The shepherds that he calls to be his under-shepherds simply are trying to reflect Jesus to, the, to those they are leading. And so Jesus is the chief shepherd. <clears throat> and Jesus himself calls himself the good shepherd in John 10, right? John 10. I want to remind you of this passage as Jesus talks in John 10, the chief shepherd. This is, we are accountable uh, to Christ as the chief, chief shepherd. Chief shepherd. And we will see that again in just a second as we go to Hebrews. But let's take a minute to look at John 10, 11 through 15. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not, and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them up and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So as we try to reflect Jesus as the chief shepherd, as the good shepherd, he laid his life down and he cares for us as his sheep. He knows his sheep. And as leaders, we are simply trying to under-shepherd his flock in the light of his gospel. It's very clear in John 10 that how we can view Christ as the, lead, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, is that he laid his life down for us. That the good shepherd, Jesus, came to this earth, lived a perfect life so that he could take our sin on himself. That is an important thing to understand. That we didn't deserve to be with God forever. That our relationship was broken. That we were destined to hell because of our sin and our imperfection. And yet God sent Jesus to this world. Jesus comes as God in the flesh. And he comes, he lives a perfect life so that then he can die for our sins. After teaching and preaching that he is indeed the Messiah. The one who can save the world. And he saves the world through his death and then following up with his resurrection three days later, where he says, look, sin and death are no more. I can defeat them. I have defeated them. And Jesus, the good shepherd, sacrificed himself on our behalf so that we can have a relationship with God again, so that we can have eternal life with our Lord. And that is what Jesus has given us. That is the gospel, and that is why elders shepherd. Because if Jesus was willing, and he did, to give up his life to care for us, all his sheep, those who have come to him, and those who say, I know you, and I care for you, and I am believing in you and committing to you, the good shepherd says that he is, would lay his life down for them and care for them and know them. And so today, if you don't know Jesus as your good shepherd, you don't know your shepherd, and you haven't come to the place where you've committed your life to Jesus who cares for you and gave his very life for you so that you do not, do not have to pay the consequence for your sin any longer and you can live forever with him, then make today the day you do that. You need to join the fold, join the flock, and come to know Jesus as your shepherd. But moving on, as we consider that and we think about that, it's important we know that our leadership as elders, as shepherds, is based upon the work of Christ. And ultimately, elders are held accountable to Christ. Here in 1 Peter, it says, we will receive, uh, we receive uh, uh, the unfading crown of glory. There will be rewards for leaders who lead well. But also, the opposite is true, and there will also be uh, accountability for leaders who don't lead well. 
In Hebrews 13, 17, we read this last week as well, but it says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Uh, Here we see it very simple. As we watch over the souls of those people in church, as we watch over the flock, we are going to be held accountable. And so ultimately what can really be said is this. Shepherding is not to be taken lightly. Leaders should not take shepherding lightly. It is vitally important and Jesus himself will hold us accountable for how we shepherd. And that should give great encouragement even to those who are not leaders but those who are following, those who are submitting as Hebrews would say because you're not submitting to someone who wants to destroy you. You're submitting and supporting someone who wants to love and care and lead you towards Christ because once again, the shepherding is all in light of the gospel. So that leads us then to our conclusion this morning. The conclusion comes down to this. Elders are pastors. Elders pastor, elders shepherd, elders are shepherds. Do you view leadership that way? Because keep this in mind, elders are all pastors, all of them. There's five of us here. At some point when we hire somebody, there'll be six. But it's not two and four, but it's six. It's six elders, six shepherds, six pastors that are caring for you and loving you and guiding you and feeding you and protecting you. As you support us, we need one another. We, we guide, yes, but we need your support in the process. Really, I am no different than the other four that we have right now, with the exception of one thing, that I'm hired to do this so I have more time. So I can put more time into teaching a sermon or teaching a class or church administration activities because I'm here every day. That doesn't make me any better or any different. It just means that there's a role difference. But nothing, I am equal with all the other four and all five of us pastor together. That is an important concept for everyone to understand. And as we understand then that elders are pastors, how then do you, how does the church relate to the elders? 1 Peter 5.5. We're already in 1 Peter chapter 5. After verse 4, it says, And the chief shepherd appears who will receive the unfading crown of glory. Verse 5, likewise, you who are younger, really just the reference here is just those who are not in leadership, not elders, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, but clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. How do you relate to the elders? How do the elders relate to you? Mutual humility. Mutual humility. That as the elders they're doing it right are going to put you first you will also put the elders first as we put Christ first together that there is a humility there that we will care for one another more than we care for ourselves and you are humble and care for the elders by supporting and submitting and, and, and I'm not like hey you need to do this and you better do it or we're going to punish you no, it's not about but here's the real simple truth just like in a marriage The husband should make it easy for the wife to submit and the wife should make it easy for the husband to love. It's the same truth with with leadership and and, and the people of the church. Is that very simply, the elders should make it easy for you to submit and your submission should make it easy for the elders to lead well. And they go together and we are mutual in this. That we support one another. 
And with that, I want to take a little bit of a rabbit trail. It shouldn't take too long. It won't really. Um, elders should make it easy for the church to submit. Part of that means communication. Here's the thing. This is, all, this is from all the elders, not just me. This is all of us, all five. Uh, the direction we're going at our church, going to a teaching elder model instead of a senior pastor model, right? And, and we're really hoping that'll even foster even more of the team mentality than we already, that we already believe. We just want to change the title to make it even more coherent. That's, that's our goal. That's our process going forward. But here's the thing. As elders, we've discovered that several of you have had questions because we didn't communicate as well as we should have. We didn't come out and communicate our thought process and where we were going and how we got there. We didn't communicate as well as we should have. And sincerely, we apologize. We're not perfect. Leaders aren't perfect, right? And, and this is one of those times we weren't. And we just want to say we're sorry. We want to ask for your forgiveness. We should have communicated better. We knew what we were thinking. We knew what we were believing. We knew what we were examining in Scripture. But we didn't bring you guys in. And that made it hard, right? And, and we want to apologize for that. That all being said, I do want to say, though, as elders, this is the direction that we feel biblically we need to go. And if you have more questions about that, ask us. We're, we're, we're ready and willing to discuss anything with you. Um, and part of that process gives you an opportunity back in the back today. All right? But also, you can talk to us one-on-one, call us up, whatever you need to do. We want to communicate. We want to do better going forward. Because an apology is nothing if nothing changes. And so we want to do better going forward. So please, we do. We ask for your forgiveness. And please um, be willing to ask. And we'd love to communicate better. So there's my rabbit trail. So to, to close everything up, we started, this, we started this whole process of looking at eldership partly because we are looking in our search for a teaching elder that will join our team. Next week, Will will be coming, and, and before we got there, we wanted to give a, a, an idea of what we're looking at, what we're looking for. And so from last week, we saw that we're looking for a man who loves Jesus Christ, who lives a Christ-like life, and who is devoted to God's Word, right? Last week, a man who loves Jesus, it lives a Christ-like life, has a, a man of character, and is devoted to God's Word. Those are three important things. And then today, we see we're looking for a man who can shepherd people by leading, feeding, and protecting now I'm going to say, and the, the elders as a whole firmly believe that Will Reichel, who's coming next week, is these, are, is these things? Is these things. He can lead, he can feed, he can protect. He's living a Christ-like life. He loves Jesus and he's devoted to God's word. We truly feel that or we wouldn't bring him before you. The reason we're bringing him is so that you can confirm along with us and make sure that this is the direction to go, but we firmly feel that he is a man that needs to be considered. And so that's why next week is happening. And I would really encourage you guys to come out and get to know them, ask questions, and just be around and be part of the process. All right. And so with all this being said this morning, pray for us as we pray for you that we would shepherd well and remember that we care about you that we want to shepherd you, lead you, guide you, feed you, protect you. That is our goal. Nothing more. We don't want to be lords over you. There's one Lord over all. That's Jesus Christ. Submit to him. And as you submit to him, hopefully that will lead us to submit to one another. And that's our, that's our calling and that's our hope.